Welcome to Pioneering Today with me, Melissa K. Norris, where I inspire your faith and your pioneer roots. I show you how to grow your own food, heirloom gardening, how to preserve your food at home, and modern homesteading. Tune in every other Friday as I share proven strategies that anyone can do to live the pioneer lifestyle. Make sure to head over to melissaknorris.com and subscribe to receive free Pioneering Today articles and updates. This is part two of building your own home food storage with Tammy Trayer from TrayerWilderness.com and me, Melissa Norris, with Pioneering Today. I hope you enjoy uh, the end of our two-part series on building up a food storage um, of three years or more. Okay, we are back. And Melissa, thank you so much for taking the time to join me again this week. This is awesome. Yeah, I am so excited to be back. Um, we talked, covered so much um, last week, and we still had so much more to talk about. That um, I was so enthusiastic to come back and and to get going kind of where we left off. I know. Well, it's amazing. Like you said in, in last week's show, like-minded people, you know, you get together with them. Uh, it's just amazing what transpires. And on last week's show, we were talking about, you know, your children in the garden and how it just, I wanted to stick on that subject because you really touched a, a chord there with me. Um, you know, you said how your eight-year-old son, you found out in the garden just weeding on his own because he felt like it. And I think that that is one of my biggest blessings is living off grid back here in the middle of nowhere, kind of creating our own, um, Waltons, if you will, um, we can, we kind of make our own, our own lifestyle back here versus being caught up in the everyday hustle bustle and some of the inappropriate things that are going on in this world. So I think that to be able to have our children home and incorporating them in our lifestyles is so important. It's broadening their minds and their capabilities. You know, kids today get out of school and they don't know these traits. They don't know how to cook. They don't know how to do a garden. And our children are getting that every day. So, and I think that what we're inspiring and and um, placing in them is the reward and the gratification they feel of doing those jobs that they're willing to just go out and do it on their own. It is. It's great. And, and um, I, I want to um, say, too, my children actually are in the public school system because I still work outside the home. Okay. So for those of you who can't um, homeschool right now, for whatever the circumstances may be, you can still do this because I'm still doing this. And so I just really want to give that out to people because um, I know that I really struggled with having my kids at times in the public school system and not being able to do, um, not being able to homeschool. And so I just want to give hope <laughs> to those of you who may feel in that situation right now, you know, after school and then, of course, in the summer and on the weekends, you know, we do our, our gardening and we're still able to live this lifestyle with working outside the home and, you know, not being, not being here all the time. And, and so often it seems like this subject is so divided, um, you know, among people. And, and so I just think, I just want to encourage everyone, no matter what your circumstances is, you can instill these values and live this lifestyle no matter what you, you really can. Um, that's funny. And my daughter, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I'm sitting over here going, yes. I'm just glad I opened that door because that is such an awesome, awesome point. I am very blessed to be able to have this lifestyle and to homeschool my son, 
but you couldn't have hit that nail on the head any better. So you were going to say something about your daughter. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, she, um, she's four right now, and it's so cute because I didn't realize how often I used this phrase through, throughout at home and stuff. And so anytime she sees us, you know, picking or, or harvesting anything, or she sees me get the canner out of the canning jars or, you know, that kind of thing, um, she looks at me and she goes, we're putting this up for winter, aren't we? And I said, yep, this is for winter. And so it's just like been a little catchphrase in our, in our home with her every time we're doing something. Is that for winter? Or she even says it now as we're coming out of, um, hopefully coming out of winter here. Um, and so it's just so fun because no matter what age they are, they pick up on what you do at home and what, what your priorities are. And so that's one of our priorities is putting up food for winter. So I just love that even at her age, She's catching on. She's, you know, she's getting it. That's so cool. That is so, so cool. And we were talking about heirloom seeds um, previously, and you and I are associated um, with uh, a fellow that is producing the heirloom seeds. And, you know, he too um, incorporated uh, his family into his business. And that was why he started his heirloom seed business was to, you know, have his kids uh, learning the skills and um, being able to uh, have something to grow from and have a business from it. And I wanted to put that out there and mention that and also mention um, his seed business. And sadly, I am totally drawing a blank on the name of his website. Um, I know his name is Jason. I'm yes. probably going to mispronounce it. Mateus? Matthias? Yes. Yes, and Jason, forgive yes. us. Um, it happens when our minds are like going around a million different things. But I will bring that subject back up and mention his website then. Um, but um, I wanted to point that out so that you have another source for your heirloom seeds because he is utilizing this as a family project to instill values and old traits and traditions into his children. And I just think that is so priceless, which is, uh, like you said, we're, we're teaching our children um, you know, these values at such a young age and they're, and they get it, they understand what we're doing. So it's just, to me, it's just so wholesome. And to have that, um, priceless, healthy food on our shelves and on our tables, um, is just so rewarding and so awesome. I get giddy when I get to can. <laughs> oh, I just, it's so, it's so funny. It's, <laughs> every year my goal is to can and put up more darts than I did the year before. It's kind of, it's just a weird self-competition thing I have going on with myself. So, <laughs> so then at the, kind of like the end of the season when I have most of the stuff, you know, up and on the shelf for winter. Um, so this year it was, um, oh goodness, what I think it was about 210 darts is what I estimated I, I had canned this fall. Awesome. And so I, it's so funny because like a lot of people like to like walk through, you know, like maybe an art museum or, you know, stare at, like, a really pretty picture or photo. I like to flip out the light in my pantry and stare at all the rows of jars of food I put up. Well, and So I understand what you say when you get giddy. I'm right there with you. And I get it, too. And I've been blessed to be able to write some articles for the magazines. And I've been able to put the pictures of my full shelves in these magazines. And it's just... I'm hoping that it's inspirational to people and not overwhelming because your shelves, keep in mind, your shelves do not need to look like ours. Um, and we hope that you get giddy even putting up 10 jars of something because um, as Melissa and I were talking off radio, um, it, 
you need to start out small. And so many people um, wishing to embrace lifestyles like ours, um, you know, you need to understand that you need to take it at your own pace um, and take on one task at a time. And we can't express that enough because I know Melissa, as well as I, have hit points where we've overwhelmed ourselves because we are such um, mongers for knowledge. And you, you have to come to that point where you take on one thing at a time, embrace it, accomplish it, learn from it, you know, learn from your mistakes. Don't let your mistakes um, stop you in your tracks. Don't let them deter you. Don't let them, you know, change your mind of such a lifestyle because mistakes happen no matter what you're doing. And if you just learn to learn from your mistakes and move forward, it is such a rewarding lifestyle. And like I said, 10 jars of beans on the shelf, five jars of beans on the shelf. Whatever you can put up there, it will feel good. Trust me. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I have to tell you, I still make mistakes in trying new things. Um, when I first started grinding our own flour was last, um, I think it was last May, actually, when I started working with Fresh Ground Fire and got our, our flour grinder. And I have been baking my whole life, you know, with my mom, we, you know, made things from scratch. And then once I started my own home and got married and cooking with fresh ground flour is much different than cooking with flour that you buy from the store. Mm -hmm. And so I was trying to use my same recipes and the same ratio and I was getting so frustrated. <laughs> my bread, <laughs> this is so funny. So I was using the, the hard white wheat. I actually prefer that over red white wheat. Yeah. Um, and baking my bread products. And so it was so hard. My dough was so hard that I could not knead it. I couldn't even punch that sucker down. <laughs> it was, I, there was no point in baking it. It was so rock hard just in its dough state. And it was so frustrating because I couldn't figure it out. So I, I started, you know, picking up some different books and reading different websites and posts and articles. Well, fresh ground flour absorbs water much more than flour from the store. Yeah. And so you don't use as much. You have to go by feel. Yes. Um, the feel of the bread, and it needs to be much wetter um, than regular bread. And so once I figured some of those things out, and I'm telling you, it took me like four weeks before <laughs> I finally got a normal loaf of bread um, that wasn't, you know, like rock hard or that didn't rise right or whatever. And this is from someone who bakes bread every week for like three years. Yes. So I, I just tell you that to give you encouragement. When you're trying new things, there's a learning curve, yep. but you can totally get through it, just stick to it. And then once you conquer it, because I tell you what, when I baked that first loaf of bread that turned out normal with my fresh ground flour, yep. oh, I was like, Kieran, I made everybody who walked through my door, they had to taste that bread. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. And my guys are bread mongers. So we go through a lot of bread and I could bribe them with bread. I, uh, especially um, my husband's cousin lives with us and I could bribe him to do anything, I think, for a loaf of bread or banana bread. But it's just funny. Oh, and, yeah. and, and it's so true. There are learning curves with everything. And I'm going to share a little tidbit with that since you mentioned that because through my learning curve we make pretzels with the oopses my son's bread is gluten-free and I don't know what I was thinking but I put it in the oven his takes twice as long as regular bread because of its um, consistency and it's often wetter than your regular wheat breads and um, I put it in the oven I pulled the other breads out I went back to doing what I was doing and three hours later I kid you not Three hours later, I remembered oh, no. that bread was in there, and 
I went down and it was hard as a rock on the outside, but on the inside it was still nice and moist. And he thought it was the best thing on the planet because he sat and picked at it all week long and ate it like a pretzel. So, you know, don't ever throw your oopses away. Just think out of the box and figure out what you can do with it because there's, you can always do something with an oops. Most, most cases, not always, but (laughs) we try anyway. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. (laughs) Yes. I've tried to do lots of different oopses. You know, one time I was, um, I had canned up some blackberry syrup. We have, Blackberries just are actually classified as a noxious weed where I live because they yes. just go wild and just take over. So <laughs> on one hand, it's great because I have kind of a never-ending supply in the summer of blackberries. Mm. Um, and so I decided I was going to make blackberry syrup out of them, um, you know, for pancakes and whatever else. Well, I made it, and it just didn't – it didn't it didn't set up. It didn't thicken right. I didn't um, I didn't cook it quite long enough. <laughs> and so the set wasn't quite right once it was canned. And so it was just basically like – it wasn't syrupy. It was it was very very runny. Okay. Um, and so I saved it, and we made milkshakes out of it. I poured it over ice cream. Yep. It was a little <laughs> bit too thin to really use on the pancakes because it just immediately soaked in. We still did. Um, it wasn't as quite as desirable, but so same thing. Yeah, don't do that. I gave it on this Christmas and said that it was milkshake flavoring and ice cream topping. You got you got it. You got it exactly. I had that help happen with elderberries. I was making. Uh, jelly and it got runny too and that ended up being our syrup so yeah you just (laughs) you improvise you constantly are improvising okay we are back and this is just funny I think you and I could sit here and talk forever Uh, it's it's just I love talking about food because I think that's one of our that's one of my most important things and my role here on our homestead is providing the food and making sure I'm covering all bases so I enjoy enjoy sharing what I know and I like I said I love gaining from other people and you mentioned something about the flour that I really wanted to point out um We got our mill this year and started grinding our own flours. And honestly, I don't make a whole lot with wheat flour because of my son being on the gluten-free and casein-free diet. Two years ago, I mastered making all of my recipes using gluten-free flour. And and the goal was to, to surprise my mountain man because he is my biggest critic. He always could tell that it was gluten-free. So my goal was to eliminate that. And, um, I managed to pull it off with the only exception I couldn't master was bread and pizza dough. So every week Mm. I make the wheat bread and the wheat pizza dough for, um, the guys and my son and I eat the gluten free. But last year I went on a no, um, starch and a no sugar diet because I just didn't feel good. And I've heard people saying that by eliminating those, it really makes a difference. So I, I wanted to try it and, I felt like a brand new person. And when I started adding um, even gluten-free flours into my diet, I noticed that I still felt horrible. And I couldn't figure out what that was all about. And then I got to talking to Donna Miller from uh, millersgrainhouse.com. And she had the same problems. She described the same symptoms. I would bloat up something awful. I mean, I could gain five to 10 pounds in a day just from fluid. My eyes would get puffy, obviously, and my joints and my um, muscles would hurt. And I think that's all a, you know, a reaction from all that fluid. But what Mm -hmm. it ended up coming down to was how the flours are processed. Even though my son's gluten-free flour is a non-GMO 
good flour. Um, we mm-hmm. use betterbatter.org and I still can have it, but I just got to eat that within moderation. But if I have any processed flours, I, I react and I feel lousy. And then she said about how she mills her own flours and she doesn't have that problem. So I tried it and I was just in awe. It is because of the process the flowers go through that I to was To be self-stable, yeah. Yes, and and also, you know, you mentioned about the difference in the flowers. You know, you, you don't realize how stale your flowers are until you're milling your own flowers. So there is definite, definite benefits in milling flowers for your family, um, health-wise and just taste-wise. So I wanted to mention that because if there's other people out there that are suffering from the same things, that could be the solution for you. Yeah, and, you know, the, the flower mill, by the time I calculated up, you know, purchasing the, the flower from the store, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and the trips back and forth and, and all that stuff, plus when you, like, say you, you go to Costco or wherever you, you purchase in bulk, as or if, when you're buying flour that's already milled up in your big 50-pound bags, long-term Long-term food storage is not ideal because you can get bugs and stuff in a flower, and and like you said, it's already been exposed to the air because it's already been ground. So it just the shelf life is much shorter than in wheat berries. And that was one of the reasons I originally wanted to start grinding my own flour was because of the food storage benefits of having the wheat berries. They store much, much, much longer. And then I started investigating the flour that we buy in the store to milling it at home. And when they mill it in the store, they have to take out the bran and the germ, which is what holds the oils inside of a wheat berry, which when we say wheat berry, for those of you who don't know, it just looks like a little kernel. Yeah. It's not like really a berry berry, right. like a fruit berry. Right. It just is like a little kernel of wheat, but they call, we call them wheat berries. So they take out of the inside where the oils are because the oil, as you know, when it's exposed to air, can turn rancid. So they take that out of commercially ground um, flour so that it has its shelf stable. But the problem is, is when you take out that oil, that's where all of the vitamins and minerals are. And that's why you see enriched flour. They have to put the vitamins and the minerals back into the flour because they've taken its natural source out in order to make it shelf stable. So that was huge for me when I, when I found that out and realized that. And so that was another reason we decided uh, to get the flour mill. But if you're baking your stuff at home instead of buying it, like I said, five bucks for a loaf of bread. I know. I know. You Our, know, the, uh, that food mill will pay for itself in a year. Oh, right? It really will. And it depends time. on what you have, which kind you go with. I actually did an entire blog post when I was researching what food mill I wanted on the pros and cons of an electric, of a manual, you know, what I needed it to do. Um, and so I, I really did my research, and, and then I purchased, um, actually I purchased two. I purchased my everyday one, which is electric, and then I have a backup one, which is a manual one. Yeah, yeah, and I have, we have the manual one because of being off-grid. I just try to eliminate all electrical appliances if I can, um, but it is nice to do what you're doing to have that ability to quickly grind your flour uh, with the electric and then have the backup as the, as the uh, hand crank, but yeah, it is, it is, it could save us even more than that because our gluten-free loaves of bread go $7 sometimes. And I like a grainy bread. I don't like, you know, a white starchy bread. I like a good grainy bread and, and it's good for my son's digestive system. So, you know, to go out and purchase that, it would be seven, roughly $7 a loaf of bread. So that's just, to me, I can't, that's, I can't wrap my head around that either. So, uh, you know, and you're looking at like saving three, three fifty, 
a pound on your on your flour, you know, by making it yourself and and purchasing um, the wheat berries versus the processed flours too. So, uh, to me, it's no contest. It does take a little bit more time, but I I really enjoy our lifestyle that way, and it just is more wholesome to me. I'm not so much worried yeah. about the time as much as the reward, I guess. Oh, I no, I yeah, I agree, and we um, I even use. Um, you know, like um, I've been playing with the um, gluten-free baking because it, it's funny that you that you brought up the the no starch and no sugar. Um, my husband and I did a 24-day challenge where we cut out all um, starch um, and sugar, and same thing. We both had never felt better, honestly. And I always this is going to sound so horrible, but part of me always thought that the gluten-free thing was kind of a little bit of like a hype or a fad. Yeah. It sounds so bad. So please forgive me if no. any of you have celiac disease or anything like that. But honestly, I, that's really what I thought. I thought people were taking it way out of proportion, and it was like this bad thing because people in Hollywood were doing it and losing weight, yada, yada, yada. So, <laughs> anyway, so my husband and I decided to do this because we wanted to get in shape for, for summer um, and just kind of wanted to do an elimination diet and just get, you know, do a detox. Yep. So we did it. And you're right. My yeah. joints, and, and I'm fairly young. <laughs> so my joints really shouldn't be hurting yet, I don't think. Exactly. But I noticed that my joints, like my knees, because um, like when I put wood in the fire, if I'm sitting on the ground with the kids, you know, like on my knees if we're playing or, or working on something, when I would stand up, like the first couple of steps, I couldn't like quite step normal because it took my knees a minute to adjust yep. and they kind of hurt. Mm-hmm. And when we did the elimination diet with no, no carbohydrates, no starch and no sugar, I had no pain whatsoever in my joints, and I only did it for 24 days, like very strictly for the for 24 days. So that was amazing. So a lot of um, things I've been looking at ways, and we don't use nearly as much um, gluten or sugar uh, as we used to since doing that. Even though we have um, some in there, so I, you know, like if I'm making uh, granola bars for the kids, I've been using oats and using that as the oat flour. Yep. Um, you know, they can grind up the rice and do, um, you know, rice flour if they're looking for ways to um, to do some gluten-free things. Because yep. uh, you're right, the gluten-free flour can be um, on the spendier side, but we kind oh, of yeah. Yeah. evaluate the health benefits. I'm right there. I was so shocked, honestly, um, at the difference it made. And so I was giggling when you said your husband <laughs> could tell the gluten-free stuff. because. <laughs> My husband always rolled his eyes when I want to try a new recipe or I want to make a recipe healthier. He's like, oh, gosh. No, here we go again. So I, so for Valentine's Day, I wanted to make a gluten-free, dairy-free chocolate cake. Yep. And my husband is a chocolate chocolate freak. If he doesn't have chocolate like every two days, I could do not, that man will drive to the store for chocolate. So I have learned that I keep chocolate on hand as part of my food storage in the house. So we keep our chocolate. So I I had some beets and beets are an awesome root cellar cold storage option. Um, And so I had some beets and so I came across this recipe for, it's going to sound so weird, but it was for a beet chocolate cake. I actually saw that recently. (laughs) Yeah, and so I adapted it because it had dairy in it. And so I adapted, um, I took the cream out, and I used a little bit of coconut oil in place. And then I did use a little bit of coconut milk um, in the recipe. And I was so proud of this cake. And when he, at first, when he saw me cooking the beets to go in it, he's like, I'm not eating that. And so that's fine, I'll eat it. 
<laughs> so I plated that up and I made I made a chocolate um, drizzled ganache to go on top out of just um, GMO nice. dairy free um, organic chocolate chips with coconut oil. Yes. And so I put it on a white plate and it's this beautiful dark chocolate cake and the consistency is like between a cheesecake and like a tort. I mean like nice. Oh, it was fabulous. I need to make it again. <laughs> so I plated it up all pretty drizzled chocolate on it. And he looked at that and he said, oh, I might have a piece. And I said, oh, no. I said, you better not because it has beets in it. I had to fight that man over the last piece of that cake. And so, so I loved it. I'm like, see, you can eat your vegetables and have chocolate cake at the same time. And it's good. <laughs> I have the recipe set aside. I'm going to have to try it now. But that's funny because I, I love new recipes and I'll try anything. And, and I've, I've made whoopie pies. I've made, we actually call them whoop dogs. It's really funny. I use my cast iron corn bread pans you know the ones that look like little pieces of corn yeah, and yeah. I put the whoopie pie batter in there and um and then I cut them in half or I fill them with my uh little filling icing filler and um th they got nicknamed I said we need to name these they can't be whoopie pies because they don't look like a whoopie pie and uh we call them mountain cousin he named them whoop dogs so because they look like a hot dog oh, I so, love it. but and pie crusts and flaky pastries, you know, I've mastered. So it takes a little skill and it takes a little time, but it's worth the effort of trying because like you said, the rewards are so much greater. And my husband was a professional bull rider for 11 years and he is actually <clears throat> 10 years younger than I am. And he is in worse physical condition than I am because of his joints. So if I can eliminate oh, that, yeah. my goal is always to eliminate you know, my family's aches and pains. And I was, it was a real eye opener switching that diet. So I try to mention that to people because so many people are so tired. That played a big role in it too. I mean, I was exhausted all the time and I didn't even have to do anything. And that's, I'm, I'm a go-getter and I like moving and I like exercising too. So to feel that way all the time is just a real drag. So um, it definitely pays to change your food and your eating habits by far. No, yeah, it, it does. I, and I've been um, really, um, I wasn't planning on showing this. It's so funny. One is um, I used to barrel race, so that is so funny that your husband needs to be a rodeo, too. I was oh, amateur, cool. however, not professional. Okay. Oh, oh cool. <laughs> uh, so, I, that, that's so funny. And um, But I actually, um, I had really bad acid reflux. Um, I'm, I'm not overweight, so mine my, my wasn't a weight issue because a lot of times it is. Um, and so I was on actually... About four times a day, I was taking different prescription medications, and it was not relieving um, the acid. And so I actually went in, and I had to have an endoscope done. Um, I had to get tested to make sure that it wasn't cancer, which it was not. But the lining of my esophagus and my upper stomach was being changed um, by the acid erosion, and so that can lead to cancer, but my hadn't. So I had this wake-up call, and I kept asking the doctor, I'm like, you know, he's like, no, he goes, you you know, you, you exercise, you're at a great weight. He said, most people who have this problem like you do are, are really overweight, and that's not your problem. He goes, I really don't know, I don't know what's going on, why you're having so much acid breakthrough, even with all the stuff you're on. So it's kind of like, I have to set out and figure out on my own what to do here, because all of the, you know, the prescriptions aren't working, and um so I, that's when I really started investigating the genetically modified foods, um, cutting out all high fructose corn syrup, um, you know, all anything with soy in it, um, caramel coloring, food coloring, preservatives, you know, all that kind of stuff. And 
And I haven't been on prescription medications for two years now. Yep. Um, so when you say improving your health through your food, it is so true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's amazing the difference that it makes in your health when you get back to, to just a traditional whole foods type diet with foods the way God intended that hasn't been messed with by science. It's amazing. Yes. No, no kidding. No kidding. I mean, it's funny because we've been doing this now for four years that we have eliminated processed foods like MSG. Oh my word. Oh, I, I have yeah. such a problem with that. And that is like laced in everything. And for us to go out to eat, you know, it's very rare, but if we're out running errands or something happens or we have to travel and we need to eat on the road, we can be guaranteed we're going to be sick for at least three days. And it's like dreadful now because we know it, you know, the first couple of times it happened, we're like, wow, it must've been bad food. But, and, and in essence it really is, but you know, so many people are so used to eating it and don't realize until they curb it that what, how it's affecting them. And there's just so much garbage in our food. I think the industry is just in such a hurry to mass produce and, and in order to do that and to, I don't know. I just, I think it's really crazy where we're headed. So I am thankful that I can embrace this and I am grateful that I'm willing to take that extra time it takes to make this food so that we're healthier. Uh, you know, the longevity, look at looking in the past, the longevity of people was so much greater before. And that's because of how they were eating and how they were living, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. When I look, like I said, I work as a um, pharmacy tech, actually, um, three or four days a week. And and it's so funny because it sounds almost contradictory, but most people who work in the health industry, especially like pharmacists and, and pharmacy techs, we are about as the most natural people that you will find because we see <laughs> <laughs> the effects of everything and, yeah. and even the medications. And don't get me wrong, if, if my kids are super sick, um, my daughter actually has a blood clotting disorder, so I will use the natural remedies first. Yeah. But if those aren't working then we do go to our doctor, but I go in informed and I go in yep. educated yep. Um, so that I'm part of their treatment process. Yep. Um, how, but, you know, so I do use modern medicine when it's needed. So I don't want to totally discount that. Um, but on the same hand, I really think that when you try the natural remedies and and healing ourselves through food and that kind of thing first, because it seems like it's, yeah. in the mainstream society, we're the opposite. Yeah. You know, instead of fixing the problem, yeah. the root issue, we just want to treat the problem. So, it's, yeah, but that's so funny. it's amazing, the food. That's so funny because I'm actually, I just submitted um, two articles, one on teas and one on, on tinctures and salves um, that will be in the Self-Reliance Illustrated magazine, um, their next issue. And uh, it's so, we do the same thing. We self-medicate and, and um, yes, there is a time when you do need to seek medical attention, but... It's, I made the same comment in my article that, you know, it's, are, are our medicines more harmful than good? You know, I can forge in my backyard things that I know will cure my family very quickly and health and won't cause any health issues. You know, it's so, you know, it's learning, it's learning all those skills and, and embracing one of them at a time and learning because there's so many things you can do for your family that will be so much more beneficial than you know, getting stuck in the norm. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I love, yeah, I'm, I'm learning more and more about the herbs, um, and making more, you know, that kind of thing at home. And so I love that, that you're writing about that because that's kind of my next, um, <laughs> venture to take that deeper, you know, that knowledge and stuff deeper. Um, 
it's just, I'm, it's fascinating to and me. I was um, just going to say that. I'm, like, so enthralled by it. And it's it, there's so much to learn. There's so many plants, and they have so many benefits. But it's, I'm, I really want to embrace that, too. I've been embracing that since I'm 14, but I'm really... Um, that's one of my next things that I really want to put my head into. Like when I'm doing my garden and my greenhouse this year, it will have a lot of plants that will not only be healthy for us to eat, but will have medicinal value that I can put up on my shelf and have an apothecary next to my canning goods, you know? So it's, it's, it's embracing everything one, one step at a time and, and being able to share that knowledge with others. So, (laughs) Yeah, no, it's great. In fact, it's so funny because, um, again, where I live, we have uh, stinging nettles. Yes. Are, they run rampant. You know, we mow them down, they pop back up, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. We're always battling them. And I just learned, um, like, the past three months, and now I actually drink stinging nettle tea. Yeah. I had no idea the different health properties of what I think is just this nasty, sting my kids, you know, sting me Oh. kind of a thing growing on. And now I'm like, so my husband, I, said, I can't wait till they come up in the spring. I'm harvesting them. I'm going to have them all dehydrated. I, you know, yep. Yep. <laughs> so it's so funny because a lot of these things that like, you know, when I look at, you know, on our property and stuff that until you, until you take the time to investigate and really learn about it, um, it changes my whole view. And so now I'm going to mind them babies popping up at all. I'm really excited. <laughs> yes, I know. You see, even just something as simple as a dandelion. And, of course, we are running out of time again. this You and I could do this. I think one of our – we will definitely be doing this again this uh, throughout the year, I think, because we've talked off air on our um, solar um, cooking and um, outdoor cooking. And this subject that we're talking about right now with the plants and the herbs is something that I'm going to be covering very heavily and um uh, so i think i think that we will have melissa on periodically throughout the year so we can regroup and share what we've learned on either end so that we can continue to educate you folks but melissa thank you so much again for joining me and i know i want to have you on to talk about your books as well she has two fabulous books that i will be uh putting some posts out on reviews on both of them they she's got a lot to share so i would love to we'll definitely be having you back on here (laughs) oh awesome i can't wait thank you so much And make sure to head over to melissaknorris.com to subscribe for free modern homesteading updates to help you live the simple life.